the, if you have the app already or if you don't, either way, you can get the electronic bulletin uh, there off of the apps, uh, off of the app or off the website. And uh, that has the, uh, the slides in it for tonight with the scriptures as well. So if you want to follow along, it's very easy to do it that way. Amen. And we are so uh, excited about what God is doing. Amen. How many of you want to be a, a body of believers like you read about in, in the New Testament? How many of you want to be that? I do too. I don't think we're there yet. Uh, but... I think now is as good a time as any to start moving in that direction. Amen? And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't really see a whole lot of churches that I, I find measuring up to that bar, uh, but I do want us to study the scriptures and search the scriptures. I want us to have fellowship together, and uh, I want us to see what God would do in our midst if we would give him authority, if we would give him priority in our lives. Amen? And so tonight, let's go ahead and get back into the Word. Uh, we did start talking, like I said, last Thursday uh, about this. We, we kind of went through, and let me just kind of uh, recap just a little bit to bring you back up to, to speed. We were talking about uh, how uh, these things were spoken by the Lord, but then they were confirmed by Peter and the apostles, right? The different uh, elements of salvation that we read about. So let me go back over those just to kind of remind you. Uh, repentance it was spoken by the Lord in Luke 24, 47. And baptism uh, was spoken of in Mark 16, 16. Remission of sins in his name, Luke 24, 47. And believers receiving the Holy Ghost in John 7, 38. Now, these were confirmed by Peter and the apostles Repentance in Acts 2.38, baptism in Acts 2.38, the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins in Acts 2.38, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is why Acts 2.38 is so very important, right? And we talked about uh, the whole idea that there's a lot of Christian denominations that agree and they believe that repentance is necessary, but then they in, uh, really kind of try to explain away uh, the necessity of being baptized in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so it's, it's very important that we don't rely on tradition, that we don't rely on reasoning or religious teachings that are formed from man's opinion. When it comes to eternal salvation, we need to go back to what does the Bible say. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, what does the Bible say? So when it comes to salvation, eternal salvation, we've got to follow exactly what the Word of God so plainly reveals. So I want us to uh, kind of look at this. Jesus taught in his ministry regarding salvation. Peter and the apostles confirmed Peter, the man with the keys. Amen. Remember that? Peter confirmed through his lifestyle, through his teaching, through his preaching. And so when we take just the, the, the scripture, as we read it, we study what was taught by Jesus, and then we see what was confirmed by them that heard him. Um, the only logical conclusion is that Acts 2.38 is the only possible method for salvation. There's no other, there's no other way. There's not an extra door out there. That, that's it. 
That's the way. So let's assume that you are not convinced of that, okay? Let's just, we'll just say you're talking to somebody who maybe isn't convinced of that, and they get you thinking, and so maybe you're thinking, I'm not convinced of that. Uh, So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a second look at what Jesus taught, not just what he taught, but what he exampled, and we're going to see the beauty of of truth and how God's salvation plan is repeated and confirmed throughout Scripture. So let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. Now let's look at what Jesus exampled. It says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Here we find Jesus showing us two very important things. First of all, we find the creator of the world being baptized, right? The second thing is that we see the Spirit, or uh, the Spirit is what the Scripture says, descending on Him or upon Him. So at this point, we may not fully understand the the significance of the Spirit descending and how that applies to us, but this is going to become more clear as we move forward tonight. Uh, so after reading the scripture, I think that kind of puts to rest the debate over the necessity of baptism. Like, if Jesus was baptized, why shouldn't I be baptized? You know, I, I really struggle. I, I had somebody tell me one time, they said, you know, you don't have to be baptized in the water, not literal water. That's not really, I mean, that's not what that means. That was for that time and that, that day, but that's not exactly what that means. And I said, But why did Jesus come up out of the water then? I want to be like Jesus. Amen. I see these signs as I walk through the neighborhoods. They say, just be kind. And I'm like, if if I ever made a sign, I would scratch out kind and it would be, just be Jesus. That's it. You know, if you're Jesus, you're going to be kind. You're going to be loving. You're going to be compassionate, empathetic, you know. Uh, but so just be Jesus. So uh, when I think about this, how, how people basically relegate baptism to a, an act separate from salvation or basically an attempt to say it's not even really necessary, um, I, I just struggle with it because the scripture makes it pretty, pretty clear. We have the man without any sin in the Jordan River being baptized. So how can we who are born in sin even question whether or not baptism is essential to our salvation if we know or understand it is for the remission or washing away uh, remission or washing away of our sins we're born in sin he was he was without sin so uh, this is to me it just kind of doesn't make any sense his example aligns with what he stated in Mark 16:16 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved right Peter also states in 1 Peter 3.21, baptism doth also now save us. It's pretty clear. So two important truths, I think, to take from what Jesus exampled is, number one, he goes down into the water in baptism. That's Some people say, well, you know, baptism is, you can just pour water, you can sprinkle water, you can splash water. It's, it's just water, it's no big deal. That's not what Scripture teaches us. Uh, over, there's several illustrations where they're going down into the water, coming up out of the water. And so Jesus going down into the water, coming straight up out of the water, that shows us his baptism was by immersion. You can't come up out of the water if you never went. 
There you go. So the first thing, that's the first thing. The second thing is the Spirit descends. So uh, let's look at John chapter 3 and verse 5. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Word of God. Jesus is very clear what it takes to enter, right, into the kingdom of God. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's so plain, right? It, it just it doesn't make any sense why we would uh, make it so complicated. John 3, 5, Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, comes to Jesus. He speaks with him face to face. Jesus looks and answers him very directly, and he states, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and of the Spirit. This is not a religious system trying to make this difficult for people. I've heard people say that to me. Oh, you Pentecostals, you make it hard for everybody. What? The Bible makes If the Bible makes it whatever way you call it, then that's the way I'm going to do it. Right? Uh, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So uh, Jesus himself is saying two things have to happen. Two things have to take place in order for a man to be part of my kingdom. Jesus clearly states somewhere in our salvation experience, we've got to have a water birth and a spirit birth, or we will not enter into the kingdom of God. Oh, and there are so many arguments and so many people. It's like, anybody ever know somebody that tried to look for, you know, easier ways to do things? And, and sometimes the easier way is not usually the best way. You know, I'm all about working smarter and not harder, but when it comes to salvation, I want to do what the Word says. I don't want to cheat my way in. Amen? Many have argued Jesus is not speaking of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they try to explain the Scripture away. But we cannot rely on a theory. We cannot rely on somebody's personal interpretation. We've got to follow what is validated by the Scripture. So let's watch as the Scriptures give us four different, somebody say four, four different accounts of the importance and the necessity of baptism, water birth, and the infilling of spirit birth or the Holy Ghost. So Acts chapter 8 is our next Scripture we're going to read, verse 14 through 17. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. There are people out there that believe when you're baptized, you automatically receive the Holy Ghost. In these verses, we see lost people that believed Philip's preaching. When they believed, they obeyed Philip, and they did two things. Number one, they were baptized, born of water. Then they received the Holy Ghost, born of spirit. Two separate times, two separate occasions here. Nine, uh, chapter 9 of Acts, verses 1 through 6, we find the story of the conversion of Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul. And, and we see God stopping Paul on the way to Damascus when his name was still Saul. And he tells him, go into the city and it will be told you what you must do. 
Obviously, when he is blinded and he hears a voice from heaven, he quickly becomes a believer. But what is it that he must do from that point forward? He believed. Had he not believed, he would have not gone to the place where he needed to get instruction to be obedient. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul... The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Obviously, at that point, he was already a believer, but he had a further step to do. Verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So we find two things occurring, right? What are, you, what are you seeing? You see this, that he is told that he will be filled with the Holy Ghost, born of spirit. Then he arose and he was baptized, born of water. Those two elements are there. Uh, in fact, um, I won't go into it, but there's other evidence, scriptural evidence that goes along with this that's, that shows that Paul, whenever received, when he received the Holy Ghost, he spoke in tongues. Verse, uh, chapter, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, tells us about the story of Cornelius, right? Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing man. He had a sincere relationship with God. Uh, but we find that Cornelius has to send for Peter to tell him what he needs to do in order to be saved. The scripture says, like, I would like the, the description of Cornelius to be put about me. Like, he's righteous, he's God-fearing, he prays, he gives to the poor. Man, he, this, is, this is a nice guy, this is a good guy. But he is not saved. This means that there will still be more required of him than just being a good person. And believing in God. He believed in God, he was a good person, he did good things for the people around him. That didn't save him. Acts 10, 44 to 48 tells us what happened. So you know the story. I won't go back through it, but Peter comes. Peter is like, you know, really resistant to coming at first because, you know, these are Gentiles. Like, it was bad enough I had to go to, you know, Samaria and lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Ghost there, but at least they're part Jew. Now you're asking me to go all the way to Cornelius? These are complete Gentiles. And so... Peter gets there and he starts telling the story and he's, you know, I, can't, I don't see Peter like really preaching hard, but the scripture says, you know, while he yet spake these words in chapter 10 verse 44. Now, I don't know, Peter was probably speaking, I would say he's probably speaking more like I am tonight on a Thursday night than, than I am on a Sunday, Right? I think sometimes Peter, uh, you know, when you look at this, uh, it doesn't say he, you know, as Peter yet proclaimed these words or preached these words or screamed these words. I had, we had one little girl that came one time and we went, we had a picnic after the uh, service and we went to the park and she said, uh, I said, did you like the service? It was like one of her first times. She's like, yeah, it was okay. And I said, well, you know, what did you, did you have a question about it or something, something you're not sure about? And she's, she just looked at me with the most sincere face and she said, why were you screaming and sweating up there? <laughs> she was, um, her, her mother was German and uh, her dad was in the army. <laughs> they, she was really just kind of confused. Why are you sweating and, and screaming up there? That doesn't make any sense. 
but Peter isn't sweating and screaming at this point. He's just speaking. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. I want you to notice there are only two things that change for Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10. Because he was a good man already. He was already doing good things. But number one, they received the Holy Ghost while Peter's just speaking the words. Born of the Spirit. And then they're commanded to be baptized. And so they are born of the water. So let's look at one more scripture in our our, uh, scripture text. We find Paul, Acts chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 6. The writer of the majority of the New Testament focused on two things. I want you to notice the two things, okay? Let's read it together, Acts 19, 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coasts, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. These scriptures, they show Paul finding certain disciples. These are good, devout people, spiritual people. He only asks two questions, right? What are the two questions? Have you received the Holy Ghost? Have you been born of the Spirit? And how were you baptized? How were you born of the water? This is important. This is why, I mean, good people, but they needed to, to uh, make sure that they were on board with what Jesus had said. So why these two questions? Paul understands very clearly Jesus had put two things into motion that were absolutely essential, baptism of the water and baptism of the Spirit. So let's look at this. This common theme that runs through these four different chapters is really of ultimate importance for you and I because being baptized and being filled with the Holy Ghost fulfills John chapter 3, verse 5, what Jesus actually said, that you have a water and a spirit birth in order to enter into the kingdom of God. In verse 7 of John chapter 3, we see Jesus saying this. He says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. When Saul later renamed Paul, has his encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 9, this is what we find. We find that Jesus uses the same word must. Must. He tells Saul, arise and go into the city, and it should be told thee what thou must do. Is it simply a coincidence that these two things that Saul is required to do are be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost? These two things just happen to fulfill what Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse 5, a water and a spirit birth. Is it a coincidence that when Paul then finds certain disciples in Acts chapter 19, his only concern is, have you been baptized? 
And have you received the Holy Ghost? Obviously, what was a must for him is a must for them. Right? Is it a coincidence that in Acts chapter 10, the only things recorded in this chapter that took Cornelius from unsaved to saved and his family was baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost? Is it a coincidence that Peter, the man with the keys to the kingdom, is in his message on the day of Pentecost, included baptism and the Holy Ghost when believers ask, what shall we do? The beauty of this truth is how simple and how much it is repeated over and over. In the Word of God, there are no coincidences. Amen. Man has devised many theories to explain away John chapter 3 and verse 5 in an attempt to negate the necessity of baptism, water birth, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, spirit birth. But as stated already, uh, we, we talked about it already, we cannot rely on man and we cannot base our eternal salvation on clever theories. We have got to go with what the Word of God has revealed to us. Amen. So let me just try to see if I can say it really, really simply. John chapter 3 verse 5 is the verbal expression of Jesus' actions. Matthew 3, 16, Jesus was baptized. I heard somebody say one time, they said, well, you know, born of water, we're all born of water when we're born. Any nurses here? A couple, a few, few nurses here? That's not water, is it? If it was water, you couldn't breathe unless you're a fish. Are you a fish? I'm not a fish. I am not an underwater sea creature. I cannot breathe in water. Well, but you have that, that little tube. No. Do you know what it is? It's a different kind of fluid. It's called amniotic fluid. Jesus did not mean amniotic fluid. Jesus was not baptized in amniotic fluid. He didn't make a choice to go into amniotic fluid. He made the choice to go down into the water, come up out of the water. Amen? Jesus, not only did he teach baptism in the Holy Ghost during his ministry, but also in the book of Acts, we find overwhelming evidence of this teaching of Jesus being fulfilled. So whether it was to believers or to unbelievers, the message is always the same. They're baptized, born of water, and they receive the Holy Ghost. They're born of the Spirit. Confessing and accepting Jesus Christ and saying a sinner's prayer, they're all positive steps toward God. And they bring us to relationship, closer relationship with Him. But a lot of people will stop at this point and they will not fulfill the scriptural plan of salvation. And I'm not trying to be mean or hateful or rude. Uh, but we've got to have more than just a relationship with God. We, we talk about, you know, how some of us, we want to have a closer relationship with God. We do, but we must be born again. There were several people who had relationship with Jesus, but they never made the choice, amen, to be born again. We've got to have more than just a relationship. We cannot get caught up in what religion teaches or, or man-made traditions and what man thinks and what they theorize would be okay for salvation. We've got to follow to the letter what has stood the test of time, the rightly divided Word of God. Amen? Just think for, for just a moment, what would it have been like if you were in Jerusalem 
when Peter preached his first message after Jesus' ascension, and you heard him confirm the message of repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost that was first spoken by the Lord. Put yourself in that, in that place for just a moment. We could have been there that night when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. We would understand the essentiality of water and spirit birth. The beauty of the truth is how his words to Nicodemus so perfectly align with the message of Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. A message of baptism, water birth, and the Holy Ghost, spirit birth. One simple question every believer must answer is this. Do I know for certain that I have been born of the water and of the Spirit? We must understand that there is no room for incorrect or faulty interpretation here because Jesus was very clear. Without these two elements, you will never enter the kingdom of God. The story of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, proves that more is required than just living a good life. More is required than just believing in God. Whether you were an unbeliever, a Cornelius, or you're a disciple of John like they were in Acts chapter 19, ask yourself, what would God have me do? The answer is simple. It is what each of them did. It's what fulfills John chapter 3 verse 5 and Acts chapter 2 verse 38. That is, they were born of water and they were born of the Spirit. So what do I do? How do I handle this? Well, this is very clear. It's, it's not rocket science, right? You know, uh, it's very simple. Number one, we have to repent. The very first thing that we have to do, the Bible says that all have sinned, right, and come short of the glory of God. Whether saint or sinner, we all need to repent. We don't just repent one time. We should repent every day. Amen. We should uh, sincerely ask God for forgiveness and make up in our mind if we realize there's sin in our life, we need to turn and go the opposite direction. The Bible says when we do that, He is faithful and just to forgive us. I don't care what you've done. Amen. It doesn't matter how bad the sin is or how bad the lifestyle of sin has been. When you consciously make an effort and you say, God, I'm tired of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move away from this. I'm going to become who you want me to be. Forgive me for this stuff. God, I'm ready to be who you want me to be. The scripture says he is faithful and just to forgive all of our sins, not just most of them, all of them. The devil will try to bring them back up, but he's forgiven all of them. And the second thing you need to do is be baptized in Jesus' name. Luckily, you are in a church that believes the exact thing that Scripture says, and they will baptize you in the only formula recorded in Scripture, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've had people argue with me, and they say, well, that's not necessary. I had somebody who, got baptized, who saw this, got baptized in Jesus' name, then uh, months later argued with me about it. Say, oh, you know, it's not really important that you get baptized in Jesus' name. And I said, what's wrong with you? I mean, I, I don't understand that. How can you see it so plainly in Scripture and then go back and say, ah, it's not really that important. And I said, if it's not important, how else were they baptized? Genius. Look, look at the Scripture. Is there another way? If there is then okay, but there's not. So why would you, why would you go ahead and, and do it for yourself, but then, eh, it's not a big deal. Man, that's warped. 
in all of Scripture, there was only one way, only one way anyone was ever baptized, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible is anyone baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Those are titles. In Acts 2.38, when Peter instructs the crowd to be baptized in the name of Jesus, he was not disregarding what was spoken in Matthew 28.19. we got to remember, go back to verse 16. I read it on Sunday. But remember that Jesus said in Matthew 28.16, 11 men that went with Jesus to Galilee, and one of those 11 was Peter. Peter was there. Peter was there when Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Peter heard Jesus' expression in verse 19. Therefore, they were the ones best qualified to interpret what Jesus meant. Not me, not the Pope in the Council of Nicaea at 325 AD. Come on, somebody. That's why Peter said, on the day of Pentecost, it's in the name of Jesus Christ. With those words, Peter fulfilled what Jesus said, and that was to baptize in the name, singular, of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and that name is Jesus. Jesus is the redemptive uh, New Testament name of the eternal Godhead. The angel told Mary in Luke 131, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus said himself in John 5.43, I am come in my my Father's name, the name of the Father, is Jesus said in John 14, 26, the Holy Ghost is sent in His name, Jesus. So the valid expression of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in name is one principle we see all through the New Testament is the power in the name of Jesus. Healings were commanded in the name of Jesus, Acts 3, 6. Signs and wonders were performed in the name of Jesus, Acts 4, verse 30. The disciples preached in the name of Jesus, Acts 8, 25. And they were persecuted because of the name of Jesus in Acts 4, verse 18. Spirits were subject to the name of Jesus, Luke 10, 17. New believers and disciples were baptized in the name of Jesus, Acts 8, 12, and 19, 5. What we are directed in whatever we do in word or deed to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians 3.17. That doesn't say whatever you do except baptism. And Acts 4.12 says salvation is in, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in the name of Jesus. Amen. And when you look at all these scriptures and you take all this in, why would you be baptized in any other name but in the name of Jesus? I know that may sound controversial. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be controversial. But, but somebody has to say, this is what the Bible says. This is truth declared. And then the third thing, if you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sins. The third thing you need to do is ask God to fill you with His Spirit. We must understand that this is a gift and it is promised to everyone. We'll notice in Scripture that there is a sound that accompanies this born-again experience of receiving the Holy Ghost. John chapter 3, verse 8 lets us know that when we are born of the Spirit, it will be like the what? What is it going to be like? I'm seeing if you're paying attention. It's going to be like the wind. Have you ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. Are you with me? 
We will not see where it comes from or where it goes, but we will hear a sound. The only sound that is mentioned in Scripture associated with the Holy Ghost is the sound of speaking in other tongues. Remember, Acts 2.38 refers to the Holy Spirit as a gift. The Scripture says it's the Father's good pleasure to give us that gift. So what do you, what do, you do? Open yourself up to receive whatever God wants to do in your life. Although this can occur anywhere at any time, Scripture records it often occurred when Spirit-filled believers laid their hands upon those who were seeking salvation. So what do you need to do? You need to be in a Spirit-filled church that can provide a greater understanding of this great gift and can pray and you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And if you're not sure, you say, well, I don't know where I, don't know where I should go. I'm not sure uh, how this should happen. I tell you what, if you're listening to this, whoever, whoever gave this to you or uh, whoever uh, sent this link to you, why don't you ask them, tell me about your church. Amen. I want to know more about this baptism in Jesus' name and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Jesus uh, makes it very easy for us. We just have to read what the Scripture says. And sometimes we are willing to, uh, to do that, and other times we... We say, ah, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's all semantics. I've heard people say that. It's just semantics. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. Jesus made it a big deal. I can't make it any less of a deal, right? Jesus made it very plain. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to do something with me, uh, and we're, we're finished with that study. But I'd like for you, if you would, just pull out your Bibles or your smartphones, and let's, let's turn uh, right now to Revelation. Turn to Revelation. We're going to do something a little different tonight in closing. We're going to read Revelation chapter 1. You'll, you'll figure out why in just a second. This is what it says, and I'm going to read, uh, let me switch my version here. You guys want me to read either King James or another version? Doesn't matter to you? Okay, King James, here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. Read with me. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show his ser- unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Here it is. Blessed is he that readeth and that they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you. And peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. 
I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace." and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, And behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches." I want you to notice verse 3 says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Many of us say we want to be blessed. Did you know that you can be blessed just by reading this out loud? You can be blessed just by hearing the word of God. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand. Man, we had a great Resurrection Sunday this past Sunday. Uh, It was great to see so many uh, new faces in the house. And this Sunday is our missions Sunday. It's a very important Sunday, big Sunday for us. We've got uh, videos from our missionaries. We're going to be doing some special things this Sunday. And uh, I don't want you to miss it. So please, if you make connections to get somebody here this past Sunday... Reach back out to them. If they enjoyed the service, they had a good time especially, make sure that they reach out to them. Tell them, come back. We're going uh, to be serious about this. We're just going to be like all up in the Bible. Amen. We're going to feel the presence of God all over again. And just tell them, say, you know, that was good, but it's, it's, sometimes it's even stronger than that. Amen. Amen. And uh, I, I do want to encourage you, amen, join, join with us and pray that God would move in a special way on Sunday. 
Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for what he's done. I know we have Gospel Go that will be at 1030 on Saturday morning. You can get your t-shirts today. What is our weather forecast looking like? Sunny, so we don't have to wear our ponchos. <laughs> All right, so you want to pick up your t-shirt, you can pick it up if you pre-registered tonight. Uh, if you didn't pre-register, you can still register. If there are t-shirts left, you can get those. Um, Jessica, is there anything tonight? Next Thursday is choir. All right. You will not want to miss Sunday. I'm just going to say that. You will not want to miss Sunday. Um, God's going to do some great things, and uh, it's going to be really interesting. You will not want to miss Sunday. It's going to be fun. Amen. God is good. Let's pray. And uh, tithes and offerings, if you want to leave them in the back, you can. And uh, we will pray and be dismissed. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together tonight. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you for the truth that you have given to us and that we can plainly read in your word. I pray, God, that tonight you would help each and every one of us, uh, Lord, to apply your word to our life and, God, to continue growing, to become who you want us to be. And, God, we will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I got, I got one quick question for you.